Hello, music teacher friends. Thank you for joining me here today for episode number 67 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, and I like to hang out here as your anytime piano teacher friend. I hope it's clear, by the way, how genuine that intention is, because seriously, I become more convinced with every passing day that the best way to thrive in the teaching business is to spend consistent time with other teacher friends. I had a Zoom meetup with my Patreon subscribers last week, and it has seriously bolstered me for days. So I hope that I am a part of your support network, and I also hope that I'm not all of it. (laughs) If you don't spend time with other teacher friends on some kind of regular basis, well, that is your first homework assignment for today. Get on that, okay? So, we have spent the last three weeks talking about preparing students for performance, right? Well, today we are going to switch gears ever so slightly, and as promised, I am sharing my favorite piece of advice ever given to me by a teacher. I, first of all, feel the need to insert a disclaimer here because, in all seriousness, I have been blessed by studying with several really incredible teachers, and I have taken gems of wisdom from every single one of them. They really each all deserve their own episode, or like 10 of them, but today I am sharing one particular analogy that was given to me by a teacher who learned it from his teacher, and of course now... I tell the same thing to my students, and here I am telling all of you who may find yourselves in positions to share these words elsewhere also. And this, by the way, is my very favorite thing about the music teaching profession. I am pretty much obsessed with the way that brilliant ideas get passed on from one person or one generation to another. The fact that our legacy can live on through our students and our colleagues in ways that we are never even going to know, well, that's like just one of my very favorite things. I am sharing this piece of advice with you today, mostly because it does tie into our recent theme of preparing for performance. But even more so than that, It really just applies to the playing of music in general. Okay, so now that I feel like I've built this whole thing up entirely way too big, (laughs) we'll get to it. This story comes to you from the days of my graduate studies. My piano professor back then was a fantastic human being by the name of Jim Helton, and I have already talked about Jim way back in episode 16, when I shared the story of how we met when I serendipitously agreed to turn pages for a guest artist clarinet recital during my undergrad. So anyway, Jim is really gifted in his ability to communicate the inner workings of our brains, among many other things. 
So this advice that I keep teasing, (laughs) this was something that Jim was told by Ian Hobson while he was a student of his. So we know that we can attribute this idea back at least two generations of teachers and maybe more. Who knows? But here's the deal. I feel like pretty much all of us at one point or another become discouraged at how hard we have to concentrate on playing our music in order to get the results that we want. I know in my teaching experience, I get a lot of teenagers and especially adult students who tell me that they just want to be able to sit down and play. (laughs) They are often waiting on some, I don't know, like magical transformation where they can just sit down and play and enjoy every moment of their performance without having to think so hard about it. (laughs) Does this sound familiar? I mean, we see professional musicians who make this stuff look so easy, right? (laughs) And those same professional musicians in every genre imaginable make it look like they are on stage having the time of their lives, right? (laughs) Well, enjoying our own playing is a tricky beast, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, sure, the more prepared we are for a performance, the more we can enjoy our playing. No doubt about it. Absolutely. However, this is also where my focus for this episode comes into play. One day of my graduate studies, I was finding myself particularly vexed by this dilemma of finding joy in my own performing. And Jim told me this. He said that you have to approach performing like you are driving a car. (laughs) Like you are driving a car through some very scenic territory, okay? (laughs) There are enjoyable elements all around you. But the thing is, you still have to drive the car. Your main job is to maintain control of your vehicle at all times. Anyone listening to you gets to look around and fully enjoy the beauty of the experience. You know, they don't have to keep the car on the road. But you, however, do. This means that there is never really any true version of autopilot. (laughs) Those moments when you watch a performer and you think that they are just so fully immersed in the joy of the music they are making, (laughs) well, the actual thoughts inside their brains are likely laser-focused. They probably know exactly what they have to concentrate on. And, of course, I can't speak for everyone, but I highly doubt their inner dialogue is simply based around thoughts like, oh, I just sound so good. (laughs) So, friends, whether you are thinking right now about your own performing or helping your students better approach their own, please consider this. If you are waiting for a point in your own performing where you can just, like, sit back and take it all in and enjoy every moment, (laughs) well, you might be waiting forever. Performing on a musical instrument takes Herculean efforts inside the human brain. It's a really complicated art, yes? (laughs) 
I used to find that fact discouraging, but now I just remind myself, I have to drive the car. I can still take in the general landscape around me. (laughs) I can still appreciate the beauty of what I'm seeing, but there will be moments where, yeah, I can catch a glimpse of pure beauty. But when it comes down to it, my number one task is to facilitate a smooth ride for my audience. I am going to try everything I can to avoid potholes and crashes and going off the road. I'm even going to try to obey the speed limits. (laughs) I don't want to make anyone feel nervous or afraid. I mean, I want this to be a trip that they remember fondly, like forever. (laughs) And as long as I remain in control of my vehicle, otherwise known as my instrument, (laughs) we can all enjoy this journey together. (sighs) And that's it. (laughs) My favorite piece of advice I ever received as a student. When performing, I have to maintain control of my vehicle. It's that simple. (laughs) So maybe you've already heard this or thought of it yourself, but I hope it hits you in a positive way, like it hit me 17 years ago. My thanks goes to Jim Helton for teaching me this, as well as so many other things. I thank Ian Hobson for passing along his wisdom to so many, and I thank all of you listening now who share great advice and expert knowledge every single day of your lives. As I said, this is, without a doubt, my very favorite thing about the music teaching industry. And now... Please join me in a toast to us, (laughs) music teacher friends all over the world. Today, we celebrate the assurance that performing requires a very specific amount of concentration and caution. May we never fool ourselves into thinking otherwise. (laughs) I have shared on this podcast before that one of the first things Jim Helton ever said to me was... And I quote, I am a nervous player. (laughs) Friends, I too am a nervous player. And to you who feel the same way, and to all of our students who feel that way, I remind you today to simply drive your car. (laughs) Keep it on the road. Enjoy the scenery as you are able. It's beautiful out there. (laughs) But in the end, Whatever mental energy it takes for you to remain in control, well, that's just what it takes. (laughs) So, cheers to us, to the generations who taught us, and to the legacy we leave to those who are up and coming. Hear, hear. That's it for episode 67, friends. I do have one more piece of homework for you, though. I am so interested to know if you have a piece of advice that you consider to be your favorite given to you by a teacher. So wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you go to the description of this episode, like if you tap on it, (laughs) that's otherwise known as the show notes. And in the show notes for this episode, 
you will see several links to helpful things, including one where you can actually leave me a voicemail. And I would love for you to do that and tell me the best advice you ever received from a teacher. I am just really fascinated in what you might have to say, and I would love to know what has left an impact on you. Don't forget to download the performance journal that I shared last week. I know there were some issues with the download link early in the week, so if you didn't get it then, the link should be fixed now, and make sure you let me know if it's not. (laughs) As always, please continue sharing this podcast with other teacher friends. I know, I mean, it truly is the highest compliment. I adore you. I really mean that. And I just can't wait to chat again next week. Spoiler alert. Next week, I am asking a super important and also highly debated question in the music teaching community. (laughs) Who works for whom? Hmm. It's going to be good. (laughs) Make sure you subscribe to make sure you're notified when the new episode releases. Until then, onward and upward, my teacher friends. Let's make it a great one.